So uh, I have the privilege to introduce our guest speaker today. Last week I was uh, in Belize uh, doing some training for our Foursquare Church friends down there. And, uh, and you were in good hands with Pastor Lucy. She did a great job last week, and I uh, heard a lot of good feedback from all of you about how well she did. Uh, today, I'm, I'm taking two Sundays off of not teaching, and uh, I have the privilege to introduce to you our guest speaker who, uh, gosh, I'm going to age myself here, but when I was a youth pastor up in Spokane, Washington, uh, Kyle and his wife, Lindsay, came up through our youth group and ultimately, after he graduated, interned with us for two years. He then went off to Bible college uh, and is now back in the church in my old, old position as, a, as the youth pastor of Mirabu Chapel in Spokane, Washington. And it's just a, it's a really, a, a, like, I have a lot of pride today. Uh, not because I really have had anything to do with all of the good things about him, but uh, he talks about being a, a traveler, and he talks really fast, and so it's like all of the things I've taught him has has really stuck. So, will you give us a, a warm uh, welcome, Lifehouse welcome to Kyle Kingsley? Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ryan. He uh, he's being a little modest there. He has a lot to do with uh, who I am today. And uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm glad to be here with you today. Uh, I feel like this is my church because your pastors are my pastors. Uh, Ryan has been my pastor for as long as I can remember. Uh, and my wife and I, like he said, grew up in their youth ministry. And he does have a lot to do with the man I am today. And I'm so thankful for him and Kelly and their leadership in my life, in my wife's life. I'm not going to get choked up again. Man, I did a first service too. Uh, I, we just love them. They're uh, seriously some of the most influential in my life. I still look for them for leadership today. Um, one of the reasons I'm here. So uh, thank you guys so much for having me here at our church. I, again, I do feel like a part of your church. I was here the very first Sunday that Ryan was here. As his intern, one of my roles was helping him drive down from Spokane to Texas. Uh, and by helping him drive, I mean sitting there in the passenger seat because he wouldn't let me drive uh, and uh, keeping him company. I think I was in charge of the radio. I think those were all of my responsibilities just right there. But I was here the first Sunday that uh, Ryan and Kelly were here. And I've been here a few times, and I'm, I'm so excited to be back and uh, sharing with you uh, this morning. Today I want to dive into something that God's really been working on my heart uh, lately and in my mind. I want to talk to you today about rest. I want to talk to you today about rest. And a few weeks ago, uh, I was texting Pastor Ryan for some advice, um, and I wanted to know some books that he would recommend me reading. And uh, I love that Ryan has always given me good book suggestions and reads a lot, and I want to be a learner like that. So I texted him, hey, give me some book suggestions, and he gave me a bunch. And um, one of them was the book uh, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And uh, I started almost immediately because I do everything that Ryan says. That's a lie. I don't. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> I, I thought it would be a good book, so I started reading it, and it stuck out to me almost immediately. Uh, in the very beginning of the book, she refers to this idea of our time as our most precious gift. And she even goes as far to make this quote. She says, time is hands down our most coveted, unrenewable resource, right? And I bet that some of us in this room would agree with that today, and we feel that, right? That time is this precious gift we have such a high value on our time. The majority of us don't feel like we have enough of it. We wish there was more of it. And we find ourselves wishing and understanding the weight of what time means. And uh, 
I agree with that statement myself, and I think that there's a lot of reasons why, but one that I want to uh, help digest with you this morning is this truth that I think we need to wrestle with, is that we don't rest well. We don't rest well. We're not really good at it. And I don't mean to oversimplify or kind of throw us all in the same category this morning, but if we're honest with a second, if we look around, uh, it doesn't take long to realize that rest isn't one of our strong suits, especially in America. Uh, If you've ever traveled outside the United States, you understand this truth. Uh, My wife and I, along with our church, gets the awesome opportunity to partner with some of the very same churches in Columbia that your church partners with. Our church has sponsored uh, multiple Compassion uh, projects, and the same churches that you guys help, uh, we help as well. And my wife and I got the privilege to go to Columbia and uh, visit with our sponsor kids and help the churches. We built, uh, helped them build a bathroom, and it was amazing. And I loved Columbia. I, I still love Columbia, and uh, the experience was amazing. Uh, I loved the coffee in Columbia, which was amazing. Uh, Tinto is how they told us to order just black coffee. Tinto is like street coffee, and so that was like the first thing I asked. How do I say that? I want that. More of that. Um, <laughs> And the second thing I love, the people were amazing and the, the, the lunchtime experience, getting able to hang out with people. One of the reasons I love that so much is because they understand the importance of the siesta, right? The rest. And I was like, we got to go. And they, they were always making fun of us. Like, hey, we're good. Just chill, right? We don't have to go keep working. Just rest. And they would tell stories about even on the, the work sites, on jobs, that they would take a nap for 20 minutes because they enjoy siesta. And I'm like, man, we could learn a lot from that, right? Again, in America, we value hard work, like nose to the grind, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like hard work, entrepreneurship, and enterprise, which are phenomenal things, which are great values to have. But again, I think if we're honest, we can find ourselves, because of those things, lacking the rest that we need. Think about it just for a second. How rested do you feel even walking in today? I feel like half my message has already been preached by our worship experience. And, and Pastor Ryan, as he received that, that vision of just this idea that we're burdened even as we walk into this place today. How rested do you feel even this morning? Right? I think that we know what that experience is like. We've probably been at times in our life at one place or another where we felt the joy and the peace of rest. But at the other end of the spectrum that we know what it's like to have that pain and hurt of restlessness and anxiety. So where are we today? Because I think if, uh, just think how often you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? And the response is something along the lines of, I'm busy, I'm tired, right? I'm worn out. Over and over and over again, we see this idea in our lives. I saw this statistic the other day. It said 40% of Americans wake up and they're still tired. Right? Even literal rest doesn't make us feel rested. I'm in that boat. I wake up and I'm like, I'm still tired. I go to bed, I'm tired, right? What's wrong with this picture? We, we, we don't understand, we don't experience rest the way that the God of the universe would want us to experience rest. And I think there's lots of different reasons for that. There's lots of variables and factors that fit into this idea of rest. But I, I think that one of them in our culture today is this truth as well, is that we don't disconnect well. Not only do we not rest well, but we don't disconnect well, and life is loud and fast in the world and culture travel at high velocity. There's so much going on. There's so much vying for our attention. There's so much in our world that, that creates easy environments for us to stay connected in amazing ways. And we find ourselves struggling to disconnect. 
I love technology, and technology is amazing and has provided so many opportunities for us to do some really amazing things in our world. But at the same time, it, it's caused us to be dependent on certain things and, and cease this idea of disconnecting. I want to share a little bit about what I mean. Here's some stats for you. 58% of people don't go one waking hour without their cell phone. One waking hour. 59% of e- people check their email as it comes in, right? We get that ding, we get that notification, we got to know what it is, right? 59% of people check their email as it comes in, and 89% of them check it daily on vacation. On vacation, when we're trying to disconnect, 90% of people still check their email. I was joking with my wife, I was out in the lobby, and I found myself doing it on accident. I was like drinking a cup of coffee, I'm like, oh, emails, oh, dang it, I, I'm one of them, right? That's me, right? 90%, 84% of people believe that they could not go one day without their cell phone. 84% of people. Uh, like Ryan said, I'm a youth pastor. My wife and I have the awesome privilege of hanging out with middle school and high school students, and we understand these numbers go up when we're just looking at that demographic. I found this fascinating. The average teenager spends 11 hours a day on some sort of electronic device. 11 hours a day. That's average, right? And this one just kind of blows my mind. One in five people, one in five people would rather go one week without shoes than one week without their cell phone, (laughs) right? We would rather have bare feet than be without our phones. We're so connected. And again, there's lots of really cool things that that invites us into. But what we find is it's hard for us to disconnect from those things. It's hard for us to disconnect. And I think because of that, it's really hard to rest well harder than ever to disconnect and find real rest. But today I want to focus maybe on a deeper level of rest than just unplugging from life and the craziness or turning off our phones. I want to talk about more than just physical rest. That's important and and there's a depth to to that idea, but I think there's even, if we go beyond that, there's a depth to rest that goes unnoticed and uncultivated in our lives. And that's the rest for our souls. The rest for our souls. So I think that even, I, I don't pretend to know your situation or to know what, what's happened in your life or even today what you're going through, but I know that deep inside we have an inner us. Our souls are longing for something more. We have an invisible personality and being that's actually more real than our visible, tangible bodies. Even if we can't define it or understand it, we know that there is something on the inside that we are more than just simply the sum of our body parts and our flesh and our brain. There's something more. So my soul is the center of who I am. It's the inner me. It's the real me, the invisible me that transcends the physical me and will even transcend this physical life here on earth. So this idea of our soul and being right in our soul and finding rest in our soul is so important. How do we do that? Well, the God of the universe, the God who created you, has a lot to say about the health of your soul. Jesus himself shared with his disciples about this idea, this, um, this equation for a rest for restful soul. In Matthew chapter 11, as he's um, speaking to his disciples and his followers, he says this to them in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus is offering to us today. And 
and this truth that we can understand from this scripture and more like it is, is that a relationship with Jesus will result in rest for your soul. It's the cause and effect. It's the natural response. It's the action and the reaction that a relationship that Jesus offers to us here today results in rest for our soul, that we were created for a relationship with him as our savior. And that inside the context of that relationship, we find rest for our soul. We find a rightness to who we were meant to be in life. A relationship with Jesus creates rest for our soul. And I think that as we say that and as we hear that, I think that seems counterintuitive sometimes in our life. We think that a relationship with Jesus requires a whole lot from us. We think of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and legalism, and maybe we even feel a sense of guilt or shame. Like, I think if we were to poll people and ask what a relationship with Jesus is like, there's some ideas that come up about all these things that we're supposed to do, all this work that's required, all this effort that we need to place forward. Maybe even some guilt. Oh, man, I I haven't been in church as much as I would have liked. I should probably pray more. I don't read the Bible enough. And all of these things that we think are important and are important in some areas, we don't define our relationship with Jesus as restful. I don't think a lot of people would define it that way. But if we want a calm, quiet, restful soul, we have to recognize that we're not in control. Again, I think that's the opposite of what we we tend to think. We assume that if we lack rest, if we lack peace, then the answer is to be in more control of our circumstances and our fate. That if we could just prepare for the future a little better, we had a little more money in the bank, we had just a few more safety nets in place, then our souls would find rest. We tend to equate control with rest. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm a self-proclaimed control freak. I'm honest with you here today. You can ask my wife. Actually, don't ask my wife. She'd probably have way too many stories of how controlling I am. I, I struggle with this. I want to control the circumstances. I want to make things comfortable, right? I'm working on it. But even on my way down here, uh, we flew again out of Spokane, Washington, which uh, currently it's 29 degrees and snowing. So... Uh, last week, I think the high was 17, which is awesome. So it's great to be here in Texas in, in amazing weather. But as we're flying out of Spokane, you have to de-ice the plane because there's snow on the runway and on the plane. So we're delayed coming out, and I don't like that feeling. I'm, I'm sitting in a small plane without any control. Uh, my wife and I travel a lot. I would, I would consider we're good travelers. I don't freak out about flying. Uh, we've traveled all over the world, and we love it. Um, but I, I still don't like not being in control. I don't like sitting on the runway not being told what's happening and waiting to, to fly, right? And we're in a small plane, and then I'm working, actually typing these words in for this message, praying through what God's going to do. I have my iPad and my laptop thing up there, and, and I have a drink, right? And uh, again, I'm a control freak. The lady in front of me wants to recline, which she's totally willing to do. Like that, You have the freedom to do that. I didn't like it at all. And she didn't just, like, do it. She, like, forcefully, like, right there, like, zero to 60, and, like, my, my, all my stuff pushes into my chest, right? I think I'm going to spill my drink. And uh, I look at my wife. I'm like, really? I, th- I think she was the only one on the plane reclining, or at least that's what I tell myself. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I was just so frustrated. She, she looks at me, and she goes, I know you're frustrated. I'm like, really? She didn't even, like, look back and give, you know, the courtesy nod. Like, you cool if I come back? No, I'm not cool if you come back. I'm a control freak. And so uh, it's just, I was so frustrated the whole time. God was working on me. I could, like, taste her shampoo, like, smell it, and I'm like, oh, you're way too close to me. I'm not comfortable. I'm not in control. I hated it. And then I'm like, I 
could probably just calm down. I should rest a little bit better on this flight. But even then, we get into Salt Lake, as a, and we had a layover there. We are supposed to have an hour or some, but we got pushed back because of the snow. So then we're almost late coming in, almost going to miss our flight. So I'm sprinting through the airport to get to our new gate, which is always fun, right? Sprinting through with two bags and sweating and get to our, our gate. We made it on time. Barely, they're calling, and we made it, and we're good. Um, and then we sit on the tarmac for another 45 minutes. It's like I'm sprinting so I can get there, and then we're there. And they give us zero information, zero. They're not like, hey, it's going to be the pilot like comes on and goes, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I got no idea what's going on. Oh, thanks. That makes me feel good. Like, you don't, aren't you the guy who's supposed to know, right? Like, you're flying this thing. And so I look at my wife, and, she, and I'm just, I'm frustrated again, right? I'm not in control, and no one's telling me what's going on. Like, I don't like it. It struggles, it, it, I struggle with it. So if I'm the only one in the room, maybe I am, but I doubt it, right? We struggle with this idea, this control that we want, and we, again, we equate control with rest. If I can be in control of the situation, then it's okay. I, at least I know what's going to happen. But the truth is, is that rest is found not in control, but in surrender. That's the way God made us, is that when our lives are surrendered to him, our souls find rest. Because we ask ourselves that question, is God really God? Do we actually believe that he is in control and that he loves us? If we do, then we don't have to play God. We don't have to be God. We don't have to be in control. We can let him be in control. We can let him be God. It's his job. And he's really good at it, right? I'm not good at his job. I try all the time. I am not good, right? And we do that. But man, I just, this is times I need to pause and relax and say, God, you've got it. You know way better than me. Even if I don't understand where you're flying this crazy plane, I trust that you know way better than I do. You're in control. And for me, that's hard sometimes, but I come to a place of understanding there's rest and surrender. There are so many times in life if we actually, you know, cut through everything, that we, we really are stressed and overloaded and burdened and tired, we're angry, and our souls are in a state of restlessness. And Jesus calls to us and says, come to me, I've got you. I've got it under control. You don't have to, because I do. I want to give you rest for your soul. I want to give you another example today that I think will help paint a picture, and it's in the, the book of Psalms written by a guy named David, and it's one of the most famous Psalms in the Bible, and David's so good at painting these pictures in our head, and uh, you may know this song, you may have heard it, and it's not just in uh, Gangster's Paradise by Coolio, um, which it is, by the way, good song if you don't know Gangster's Paradise, you totally should. Um, True story, last time I was in San Antonio, Coolio was in first class on the flight back to, I don't know where we stopped, and I'm like, babe, that's Coolio. And she's like, how do you know? I'm like, you know Coolio. He's got crazy hair. Like, it was Coolio. There was no doubt in my mind. That's Coolio. He had just done a concert in San Antonio, and she's like, go take a picture with Coolio. And I'm like, no, I can't. I mean, I'm nervous. It's Coolio. Uh, and then I didn't, so sorry. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today, but he does uh, sample some uh, Psalm 23 in Gangster's Paradise. Anyway, back to the Bible and the Word of God. Um, Psalm 23, uh, starting in verse 1, this is what David says of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams, and he renews my strength. Man, what a beautiful picture of the rest that David is experiencing in the Lord. He lets me rest. There are other translations that use this idea of God makes me rest. 
And I love that. It's a beautiful picture. It's not this idea that God makes us, God forces us to rest, but God gives us the environment in which rest is possible. And the picture that David is, is painting here, he starts from the very beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. He lovingly has created a restful place to deal with my restlessness, to create opportunities, environments, in order to give our life and our soul rest. It's this truth today. Simply, God makes rest possible. He makes it a possibility. He makes those circumstances work for the condition of our soul that we need. And, and again, I love that David is painting this picture, and most of us know who David is. He was a mighty king. He was the young kid who killed Goliath. He was a mighty warrior, right? But before all that, he was a shepherd. He hung out with sheep. He knows this world. He knows what it's like to shepherd sheep well. I'm assuming he's seen it done poorly and watched sheep get neglected. And he's, I'm assuming he was a great king. He was probably a really good shepherd too. So he knows what good shepherds do to protect and watch and care over their sheep. And he recognizes this relationship that God, as our heavenly father, is a good and loving shepherd of his sheep. Did you know that you cannot force a sheep to rest? It's fascinating to me. This is true. You cannot make a sheep rest. You have to create an environment as a shepherd where sheep will want to rest. You have to create this environment. Again, unlike many animals that will just rest because their life depends on it or because you make them. My wife and I have a, a dog, a Border Collie Blue Healer mix. She's a shepherd dog, a sheep dog. And uh, I like to think that I can make her do things, right? Sit, stay, lie down. Right? I, we even say, go to bed. I, think, I feel like I can make her rest. I, make, I command you to rest, right? I tell wife, my wife all the time, I am alpha. I am the alpha dog in this house. I like to pretend and puff my chest out and pretend that I have any control, and then my dog does whatever she wants. And I'm like, maybe I'm not alpha at all. Um, but I like to pretend, again, that's my control freak coming out. So I have control of my home. Um, no, she does whatever she wants. But there's certain animals, right, that we can just, you know, put them in a crate or put them in a, a pasture, and they will rest. It's just be, it's in their nature. But what we understand about sheep um, is that because of their very makeup, it's almost impossible for them to be made to lie down and rest unless certain requirements are met. Okay, refuse, the sheep literally refuse to lie down unless they're free from fear, unless they're free from tension and rivalry, pests and, and hunger and all of these things. If those things aren't present in their pasture by their shepherd, they will not rest. If there's holes in the fence, if there's a, a fear of danger, if they've seen something, if they are startled, if there are things, you know, ticks and fleas and flies, they are so uncomfortable that they physically cannot rest. And even the slightest suspicion of danger from any predator, from any distraction, any flies, any pests, they, they, they stay standing for fear of their lives. They have little to no defense mechanism other than running away. It's all they know how to do. So if they, if they don't have a shepherd, a watchful eye, keeping that pasture safe, providing food and water and shelter, they will not rest. But on the other hand, when they're in a safe security with a good shepherd, then there's green pastures. There's still waters. There's meadows for them to roam. They can rest. They can experience peace. And David says, I get that as a shepherd. And I get that even more when I experience that with my God who loves me. And, and you, may not, you may not have trouble physically lying down and sleeping. 
physically, but that tension comes from anxiety and worry of life, and we are restless, and we don't feel comfortable in our lives, and there's things that we, we, do, we worry about so we can't find rest for our souls, and God wants you to experience rest as your shepherd. He has created an environment. He is making rest possible. Fear, frustrations, anxiety, depression, hurt, pain, all these things keep our soul from experiencing rest, but David tells us there is There is a good, loving shepherd who wants to take care of you and wants to usher you into this beautiful place to find rest in him. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in restlessness. And over and over again, David himself and countless other writers in the Bible tell us of this security that we have in the good shepherd. Do you know how secure you are? The word of God says that God is our fortress. He is our strong tower. He is our hiding place. He provides that for us. He goes to battle for you. Do you know how close you are to God? Do you know how watched you are by God? The word of God again tells us that he watches over us. He will keep us from harm. He never sleeps and never slumbers. That's our God. That's our shepherd watching over us. Do you know how known you are by God at your very being? He numbered the hairs on your head. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He cares for you. He knows you. He provides for you. Ephesians tells us that God provides for all of our needs. All of our needs. Not some of our needs. Not when we've had a good week. Not when we go to church enough. Not when we behave the right way. Not when we do all the right things. Not just when we feel like it or when he feels like it. God provides for all of your needs. And I don't know, again, your story. I don't know what you walked in here with today, but I do know the shepherd who loves you enough to provide an environment for you to rest. Despite your circumstances, despite your feelings even at times, we need to understand the truth that God is providing, protecting, keeping us safe so that we can have rest for our souls. When we understand that relationship with our shepherd, we can create a good environment for our life to give us rest so that we can lie down. Like a sheep who is no longer afraid of a predator in life, God can keep fear out of the way. When we understand who he is and what he's done for us, and when we understand that if God is for us, there is nothing that can be against us. When we understand that relationship with our shepherd, rest is a byproduct. Then why is it that we try to numb ourselves with substances, with relationships, with possessions, Why do we think that if we have enough fill in the blank, then we will be rested and at ease? Whatever it may be, we try to manufacture rest and manufacture peace in our life. And you can try. You can try to create rest and refreshment, but it will always fall short because you have one maker, one creator, one designer. He gives us insight into the way our soul was created to function and the way that we can find rest in him. Again, our, our typical problem when we, when we f- feel, you know, worry on the inside is that when we find problems on the inside is that we would just redouble our efforts on the outside, that we fall into this trap that if we can be healthy enough, wealthy enough, popular enough, productive enough, influential enough, then all will be good. Rest will be a byproduct. So we throw our lives into this chase, into this rat race, thinking that internal happiness will come from external success. That if we try hard enough, if we wait long enough, if we reach the next level, then we will feel at peace. We have to come to the understanding today that God alone 
will provide rest for your soul. There's nothing else. There's no substitute. You are protected. You are watched. You are provided for. Ultimately, the stability and security and outcomes of our souls need to be in the hand of someone who is bigger and greater than our turmoil. And that is found in our Heavenly Father, our loving shepherd. And I'm aware that for some of us, that's not new news. We're maybe reminded of that today, and, and we've got it. We've maybe even read that song. We get our relationship, who's God, who God's called us to be. But maybe for you, it's a good reminder. But for some of us, you know, we go, okay, well, what do I do with that? If that's true, and maybe you know that to be true, or you're finding that out to be true in your life, what do I do with that? What does that actually look like? I'd like to challenge you this week that we could all together take some steps of experiencing this in a real tangible way. And the thing that I think we could do really simply is to practice being still. That if we just practice being still before our God, in the chaos and the craziness of life, stillness can be frightening at times. Right? Many times we find ourselves so overloaded that when we experience stillness, we don't know what to do. It's awkward. Right? Parents are like, if there's stillness, that means something is wrong. Right? They're up to no good. It's like the calm before the storm. My wife and I, uh, we, we've looked at ourselves, and we'll be home after a long day of work, and we'll be watching TV, and then we'll be on our phones at the same time, right, because one distraction isn't enough. And we've looked at ourselves and been like, what is wrong with us? This is not a right picture. Like, let's get out of here. Let's turn this off. Why are we so consumed, right? We have to be, you know, especially in our culture, we want to be going and moving and seeing and doing and experiencing, and those are all good things, but we don't practice stillness. To be still. Psalm 46.10, maybe you know it. It simply says, be still and know that I am God. God says, be still and know that I am God. That word still in the Hebrew language, uh, it's the same word used for things like slacken. Don't be so wound up. Don't be so tight. Be still. I get a picture of a rope just stretched so far. It's just so tight. In our lives, we feel like that all the time. There's just so much going on. God says, just slacken the line, pause, be still, and know that I am God. I love that picture. We don't have to experience God in the mountaintops, in the chaos, in the craziness. We can experience him in the stillness, in the quiet, in the peace that he has created us. The stillness is unwinding the loosening of our tensions in the Lord's presence, acknowledging who he is and finding peace and rest there. And that this week we could practice being still. And I know it's hard with life and with stuff. I don't have time to be still. I would challenge you this week, you don't have time not to be still. And know that he is God. It will benefit your soul. It will benefit who you are. That we would get rid of the distractions that we would get rid of even technology and, and other people that tend to, to crowd our lives, that the stress and the craziness of lives would be distant and that we could be still, that as families we could practice being still together. I, I spoke a message to our youth students, again, uh, working with middle school and high school students last week just about this idea of being still and helping them understand. And my wife leads one of our middle school girls' small groups, and she put a timer on her phone for 60 seconds and told the girls, we're going to be still for one minute. That's crazy for middle school girls, right? One minute, we're going to be still. Started the clock, and for a minute, they were silent and still before God. And they got done, and the girls were like, that was awesome! 
I've never experienced that, right? Like, that that was so amazing. I, I don't take time in my life to do that, to pause, to slow down and be still before God. What an amazing gift that God gives us to just lean into him, to release the tension in our lives and find rest in him, that we would still our soul, have the discipline to not be mastered all the time by something that was never meant to master us, that we would be able by the power of Jesus to contemplate the goodness of God and simply be still. Be still and embrace his goodness. Be still and, emo- and enjoy a moment of beauty with the God who created us to love him and to be loved by him. Be still this week. Rest in the Lord. Rest in his promises and his goodness and his provision and his faithfulness. That when we have that burden, like, like Pastor Ryan was sharing with us, those things, when we feel like we can't get through the door of life, whatever it is, whatever obstacle, that we would drop it at the feet of Jesus. He says, I already took care of it on the cross for you. Leave it at my feet. I've got you. I've got this. We can do this together. That we would come to a place that we say, Jesus, I'm trusting this to you. I'm giving this to you. I can rest because you've got it under control, and I don't. In him, we can find rest. He created an environment to make rest possible. He provides for us. He protects us. And he calls us to be still and find rest in him. Would you join me in prayer this morning? God, I thank you so much for that reality, that promise of rest in you. God, that my soul longs for the things that only you can provide. And I pray for each and every person in this room today, Lord God, that we could experience rest inside the relationship that you have created us for. That we could surrender to you, that we could open our lives to you and say, God, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I'm done trying to control all the circumstances and all the situations. I want to find rest in you, in a relationship with you. God, I thank you. I'm so thankful and so grateful for the fact that you provide for us the way that you do. I pray right now that we would receive that provision, that we would understand more than ever the things that you have done, that you have gone before us and that you stay behind us, Lord God, that you have provided for us so generously. Your grace and your love and your mercy for our lives, Lord God, that we would have an overwhelming amount of love and respect and thankfulness for the reality that we live in today. God, we thank you. I pray that we would be still this week, that we would practice resting in you and see how comfortable our souls can be before the God who created us. Jesus, you are so good. Let us be still and experience your rest this week. In your name, amen. Amen.